friends, 2022 is history. Have you thought about what you'll do in 2023? How you will make it better than last year? Every new year is a new opportunity, so I have a great way for you to make the most of this one. This year, resolve to become a better educated American. And the good folks at Hillsdale College have made their amazing online courses free for all who wish to learn. And my challenge to you is just take one of their fantastic courses. You can discover the beauty of the Bible in the Genesis story, or study the writings of C.S. Lewis, or explore the true meaning of America in Constitution 101. There are many more to choose from, and all these self-paced free courses feature Hillsdale faculty and scholars. Visit Dana4FORHillsdale.com and pick one of more than 30 free Hillsdale courses. I hope you'll accept my challenge and resolve to be a more educated American in 2023. Pick whichever course you like at Dana4Hillsdale.com and start your freak online course today. That's Dana4FORHillsdale.com. The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet and your 401k. With the stock market so volatile these days, is it smart to make a prediction? In 2022, all of the market predictions were way off. If you want to invest your hard-earned money, don't make a prediction on your own. It will lead to some painful consequences. What should you do? Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The House Oversight Committee chairman says this document situation has all the makings of a potential cover-up. Is President Biden involved in a cover-up? We've been very clear here from this administration. The president has been very clear that um, he takes this very seriously when it comes to the when it comes to classified information, when it comes to classified documents, and that his team has been um, has been fully cooperative uh, with this legal matter. Anything else, Peter? And this is and I'm, I'm going to be very serious. You asked me kind of a question that everybody laughed at, which was interesting question to ask. But any other uh, any other underlying questions that you may have. I would refer you to my colleagues, the White House Counsel. I'm going to continue to be prudent. I'm going to be continue to be consistent and refer you uh, to any questions you have. So I thought that was a bit of a, there was a little snippy exchange there between Corinne Jean-Pierre and Peter Ducey because Ducey was simply, I mean, he was just asking her, you know, I mean, you guys said that this was solved. It's not solved. You said that everything was, I mean, how many more? Every time he asks a question, she can't, he, she can't not, she can't give him an answer, a straight answer anyway. I have no, I mean, I can't wait to see what today will bring because they're going to keep asking her this every single day. They set themselves up for this. Welcome to the program. Happy Tuesday. It is a rainy Tuesday in Texas. Although... I don't know if it's rain. It, this is the first time it's raining in months in Texas. It's been, it's been a long time. I forgot. I was like, why is the sky leaking? Your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash, here with you to get you started. So this uh, latest development in the Biden saga. Man, I Democrats have to be legitimately upset with with him. And, and, and because all of this is going to weigh down. All of this is going to hurt all these other candidates running for 2024. They ain't never going to let them forget it. But then this came out. Did you guys see this yesterday? This was this was after we were. It was on my uh, it was on my email newsletter. 
former top FBI official Charles McGonagall was arrested over ties to Russian oligarch Oleg Derpaska. So Charles McGonagall's name may not be incredibly known. But see, what he did is, however, because see, he was the special agent who was in charge of, he was, well, I mean, he was the guy that was in charge of the whole Marussia. He, he was, he investigated the claim, the claim to Trump ties to Russia, and he himself literally got arrested for having ties to Russia. I was reading the the U.S. Attorney, Southern District of New York, their statement on this. Former special agent in charge of the New York FBI Counterintelligence Division, charged with, with violating U.S. sanctions on Russia. So, another thing, completely, it's, it's, it's one of those things where you have Democrats who are, very, who are guilty of the exact thing that they're accusing other people of doing. That is a big, that's, that's, that's a, 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 a big deal. This is why nobody trusts that this is why nobody trusts that whole the hoax. That's why it's called a hoax even. No, but this piece, he had uh, he was working, supposed to be working for the FBI investigating these oligarchs, and he agreed back in twenty one to investigate a rival Russian oligarch in exchange for some money from Deripaska. And that's according to DOJ. So now they're accused, he and this other dude are accused, Sergei Shestikov are accused of receiving money from the shell companies and forging signatures to keep it a secret that it was Deripaska who was paying them. So they get they have money money laundering charges, uh, charges for violating sanctions. They get each of those charges that they received, he's going to go away for a while, uh, 20 years in prison. And so they really, I just noticed that a lot of the reporting on this, like no, nobody really wanted to play up the fact that, oh, this guy was one of the guys who is in charge of the whole Marussia thing. Fascinating. And he was, I mean, and now he's, he was, his, his role in the whole Trump-Russia investigation was pretty big. Trump told him to rot in hell last night. <laughs> Trump's statement came out, he said, rot in hell. Well, so this 54-year-old, former head of counterintel, FBI's New York's office, working with Russian oligarchs, while also working on the hoax to try to to investigate this, the, the claimed relationship between Trump and Russia, which this guy had. They should be investigating themselves. Now, it was, when it was McGonagall was chief of the cybercrime section at FBI, he was one of the first uh, officials that, they, that came across the allegations that, uh, remember George Papadopoulos back in 2016? You know, just, you're just you know, running your mouth in a bar. It's like, yeah, Russians have dirt on Hillary Clinton, etc., I just can't imagine like you being so desperate to take out your political opponents that you're listening to like this drunk dude in a bar running their mouths in D.C. of all places. I mean, how many people go in a bar and get drunk and run their mouths in D.C.? Everyone, including those people, uh, people who have connections don't brag about it in a bar when drunk. So they had uh, McGonagall investigating this. This is this was his doorway into it. And then 2017, it was taken over by Mueller. So he was he was. Where he was involved in all of this. I can't say that. I, you know, I'm not going to say karma. But I just did. So there you go. There it is. He just. Yeah, Trump told him to rot in hell. There you go. He, 
he and he was he ended up leading. He was involved in the whole Trump Russian probe. He he led it off with the Papadopoulos stuff, and now he's the guy who is being charged himself. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to get Deripaska. See, Deripaska, Daily Mail got into some of the all of the sanctions that were against this guy. This Russian oligarch. This sounds very very similar to what Fusion GPS was doing. So you remember Fusion GPS. That was the firm that was used by Hillary Clinton. They were the ones that worked with that uh, disgraced British spy, Chris Steele, who sounds like a Harlequin author. And they, they were the ones working with him. They were hired through Perkins Coie. That was the law firm middleman for Clinton and her campaign. And so they were actually working to also spring some of these Russian oligarchs uh, out from underneath these sanctions. So they and they they weren't they weren't registered with FARA, Foreign Agents Registration Act. And I'm wondering, too, and I didn't see this. I'll I'll take another look at I'm wondering if he's going to get hit with a FARA charge, because and the reason I bring that up, why did Paul Manafort go away? What was the big thing that they were hitting him with? I mean, he had some tax stuff. I mean, you know, I got my opinion on Manafort. He had some tax. What else? Oh, Farah. That's right. They were saying that he was in violation of the Foreign Agents Registration Act. So I'm just really, you know, curious that this guy's going to get hit with it as well because he was doing the exact same thing that Fusion GPS was doing. The only reason Fusion GPS never got in trouble for violating Farah is because they were working for Democrats. You don't sit here and lobby people. What do you think that? What is it that? Uh, uh, what's her face? The the Russian lady who was. Uh, uh, Something Litskaya. She was the one who was going to claim that they were meeting Donald Trump Jr. and all this other stuff, and it actually never happened. The New York Times ran this big story on it. And do you remember, was it Lanny Davis, I think? They actually were interviewing the guy who was the source to CNN, and he was commenting on the story on air as though, oh, yeah, I read it like everyone else. He was literally the source to them for it. And they didn't, and he, they only got busted later on. Anyway, long story short, they, they were the ones, they, they were, they were, pushing to have these sanctions, the Magnitsky Act. Magnitsky Act was sanctions on these oligarchs. There's a whole big story with that. They were trying to spring these oligarchs out from underneath the Magnitsky sanctions. So this sounds curiously similar. So all the stuff that they were accusing Trump of doing, all these people were doing. Everything that they accuse these, these Republicans of doing, these Democrats are the ones that actually do it. It's the same thing. So yesterday, the other story that we're taking a look at here, yesterday uh, there was another mass tragedy incident in California. It was at two California farms. It was a disgruntled worker who allegedly killed seven co-workers and injured another in two different shooting incidents at a pair of nurseries in Northern California. It was Half Moon Bay, and it was in late in the afternoon. The 67-year-old Chun Li Zhao, who turned himself into authorities following the killings. This was just two days after the Lunar New Year killings. He ended up turning himself in, uh, and he, the investigators said it looked like he was acting alone, he was fully cooperating, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, immediately, you had lawmakers like Gavin Newsom, Audio Soundbite 11, who go out and say things like this. Check this out. 
I mean, the, the Second Amendment's becoming a suicide pact. But there's many people in this country that support the Second I, Amendment I, I support, and, our, and our lawful gun owners. Yeah, I have great respect. I have no ideological opposition to someone reasonably and responsibly owning firearms and getting background checks and being trained. No, you wouldn't. And then you had this from Senator Alex Padilla on the Second Amendment. He's a senator out of California. He was speaking in response to this Half Moon Bay tragedy. Listen. We do uh, take it as uh, a reminder of the urgency with which we need to strengthen our gun safety laws across the country. Uh, many of my colleagues have pointed out, you know, doesn't California have some of the strictest laws and protections of any state in the nation? That is true. And they have worked. And it is helpful. But when there's a patchwork of laws and protections to various degrees across states, then clearly there are vulnerabilities that can uh, impact any community in the country. And so that's and that is such a goofy. Both of these, the pair of sound bites are dumb as with respect to Padilla, with regards to his this whole our laws are only going to work if your laws are the same thing that has major my vax only works if you have your vax vibes. My mask only works if you got your mask mask vibes. That has major vibes. I mean, clearly their laws aren't working. The vulnerability Padilla speaks of is that criminals don't follow laws. California has the strictest gun control laws in the nation. Clearly their laws aren't working. You can sit here and point out, well, other states have different laws, but that's irrelevant because California has specifications on what you can and cannot bring into the state. You have to register what you bring in or you are in violation of state law. So it doesn't matter what someone else has. You can't bring it into California. So clearly the two individuals who were involved in these tragedies lived in California. They didn't follow the law. I'm curious as to how a law in another state and Padilla, by the way, is speaking on the presupposition that they purchased their firearms out of state which A, one definitely did not, and B, that's not it. The other one hasn't even been made public. And the, in the first case, that individual was carrying uh, what they call an extended magazine, which is goofy because, you know, really, it's just an extended magazine. That's it. Uh, you have a few more rounds. That's actually criminalized in California. So he was already in violation of the law. Their laws aren't working, and the restorative justice they've implemented to coddle and encourage this criminality doesn't help either. We're going to talk more about this coming up. we got a lot on the way, uh, and you don't want to miss a bit of it. Headlines coming up, too. Black Rifle Coffee Company set out on a mission to make the best cup of coffee that's ever hit your mug. And I think they've hit that mission straight on. Their dream has been to sell enough premium coffee to build a support network for veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. And thanks to your support, that dream has come true. Black Rifle Coffee is roasted by a veteran-led team of brilliant coffee graders who work tirelessly to roast and bag the highest quality coffee here in America. And the coffee is truly one of a kind and my favorite. Your support has helped Black Rifle Coffee Company expand their team of active duty service members, veterans, and veteran family members. And they were able to donate over 120,000 bags of coffee to veterans and first responders in 2022. Visit blackriflecoffee.com Dana and use my code Dana at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. That's blackriflecoffee.com slash Dana. Use code Dana and also look for Black Rifle Coffee in grocery and convenience stores. Black Rifle Coffee, America's coffee. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. So the doomsday clock, our friend Larry alerted us to this. This is like an actual thing. It had a bunch of these like very... Serious, nerdy-looking people in dark colors next to this clock that they had. And it's it's said to have been set 
to 90 seconds of midnight, the closest that it's ever been to annihilation. Ooh, it's so silly. You know what this, like, people actually, like, spend money on this. We're helping. <laughs> it's a doomsday clock. We're helping. Impossible Foods, which is not meat, pushes back against the report calling fake meat a fad. Because it is. Look, if you want to, if you're going to be meat, then just be meat, right? Don't sit here and, and make it like, we're going to make it look just like meat. Then just, I don't, it's goofy. They, they had this whole thing in uh, Business Week, it was a report, where they, where they hit back as uh, the fake meat sector as another fad. And the report cited the very abysmal financial performance of Beyond Meat over the past year. And the declining sales of fake meat, because nobody wants that nastiness. Uh, but they said that, uh, they pushed back and they said, well, that those numbers don't describe our own performance. Eat what you want, but if you're going to eat fake meat, why not just eat the real thing? You know, they got to go to that, whole that effort to make it look real. I don't know, it's just weird. You know what it is? It's meat face, is what it is. It's vegetables and meat face. So uh, this one company is allowing you to name, well, it's not a company, sorry, it's Texas Zoo. You can name a cockroach after your ex and watch it be fed to an animal at a Texas Zoo. What about instead of X, just like people you just dislike generally? I mean, I there's a number of people I can name. San Antonio Zoo is kicking off its Crimea cockroach campaign. Fourth year, you can symbolically name a cockroach, a rodent, or a veggie after their X and watch it be fed to an animal. I gotta say, naming naming a vegetable after it's not the same thing. Cockroach though, very yeah, that definitely does. So they said whether it is oh, and they said whether it's uh, you know a collective dislike for a trend or whatever. The Crimea Cockroach Fundraiser is here to help you leave that negativity behind. I mean, that's actually very inventive and creative, and I give it two thumbs up. FDA is about to push an annual update to their coronavirus vaccine. It's like a subscription. Most people get an annual update, but some will need only one shot. Or maybe you don't call it a vaccine if it doesn't actually prevent transmission. Uh, And Franklin Graham is so far declining to endorse anybody i think for the 2024 primary but the way that the press is putting it he won't do, he won't endorse trump for the 2024 primary but all because a it's too early like stupidly early i understand the the overtures in building a coalition but i'm hearing people are like trying to bend others over a barrel getting endorsements and stuff we're for real stick with us we got more in store Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can now access them with Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile also offers a performance guarantee. If you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. This new year, resolve to stop supporting companies that don't support your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. Get free activation today with offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. Just visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. We're looking at investments that uh, that are fair, that contribute to equitable economic growth. We're looking at climate impacts because every transportation decision in, in the 21st century is a climate decision, whether we recognize it or not. What? That's uh, Mayor, Mayor Secretary Poot Buttigieg. 
<clears throat> with I didn't know realize that that has anything to do with transportation. Can he just talk about transportation? No. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon, hating everything today. Why can't he just stick to talking about transportation? He hasn't done a damn thing about it. You have the you have the airline industry, which is a hot mess. You have, I mean, the the, the trains run on time. I mean, you we just barely sidestepped a strike. That's going to come back around. I, what is he actually doing? Aside from, you know, going on vacations and taking months off, all of the the revelations that came out, because he kept saying, well, when I was on, you know, my paternity leave, I was, I was accessible. He wasn't, though. And there were all of these emails that came out. No, no, no. Secretary Mayor Newman Poot is not accessible. He was not answering emails. He just wasn't doing his job. He's one of those guys that wants the title but doesn't want any other work. I get that's how a lot of people in government are. A lot of people that we send to Congress too. I gotta be honest. They want they want the title, but they don't want to actually do the work that's involved with it. They don't want to they don't want to sponsor legislation. They just want to run their mouths. They walk around probably in the rotunda looking for a camera to talk to. Golly. So I don't know what that has to do with transportation every transportation is the is a 20 no it's not it is not a 21st century it's not a climate decision there's not every single thing you do is not a climate decision it isn't then you had this with let me pull this up this was audio sound bite 10 where you had jennifer granholm who is the energy secretary and she was going on about the whole gas stove thing by the way which i just saw another article for yesterday right after last week where they were trying to shame all of us for being conspiracy theorists for suggesting that anyone was talking about banning or otherwise advocating against gas stoves. So here is Secretary Granholm, former governor of Michigan. Listen. People aren't aware that, you know, kids who have asthma, 12% of kids who have asthma are because they were exposed to gas stoves and the, the emissions that gas stoves uh, do, and it's very harmful. But a lot of people love their gas stoves, so nobody's trying to take away. But to provide an option and to provide incentives to consider other forms of stoves, so an induction stove is an electric stove. And it's garbage. I don't need the government telling me how to cook my food. You can go get cooked, but I'm not going to tell you how to, you're, you're not going to, you're not going to lecture. I'm so just, what does this have to, just, just leave us alone. Just leave us alone. Come on. So done with this. Just done. They're still pushing. I did have that piece though. I'm going to pull this up. Yeah, it was a piece of Bloomberg. After they were telling all of you that you just made it up in your head that they wanted to come after gas stoves. They, it's really not even about the stove. They just want to go after. They just want to get rid of gas. Everything. Uh, that's that's ultimately what what it is. Now, I saw this tweet from. Um, this just came out. This because this is new. ABC classified documents just breaking have been found in the home of former Vice President Mike Pence, and they've been turned over to the FBI for review. Remember, they had denied that originally. Because. They, it says the lawyer for Pence discovered. I love how it's all these lawyers going through this plausible. So they can they can say they can they can say that they got attorney client privilege. A lawyer apparently discovered about a dozen documents marked as classified in his Indian home last week. He's turned those over to the FBI. The FBI and the Justice Department's National Security Division have launched a review of the documents and how they ended up at his house. It was at his new home in Carmel, Indiana. 
What in the world? Now, this was after, because there were, there were some denials that anybody else had any. Now, the possession of, uh, the possession of classified documents, like have them in your hand because you're privy to read them, but you're not privy to take them and declassify them. Vice presidents and presidents alike can have uh, a possession of them. While they're in office, like while they're vice president, that not after. And there are some personal things that they can take with them when they leave. But even the personal stuff is supposed to be copied to National Archive. So classified material, all of that, even if they're allowed to have it like on their desk, all of that has to be returned before they leave office. And. I mean, I would also think, depending on if it's top secret, and that's not anything that the piece got into, if it's, you know, cl- if it's confidential, if it's top secret, I mean, I know that there are differences, but things that were marked with what Biden had on his, that's something that I, you, I, there are existing restrictions in place that prevent the transportation of these documents from one place to the other, like the reading room, for instance, at the archives. So what in the world is going on? I mean, some people are saying that Congress needs to overhaul the Espionage Act because that's, you know, to provide exceptions or whatever. And this is from Politico. Uh, Politico was saying that in the piece, this piece that ran just a bit uh, earlier, they were saying that Democrats were concerned over the handling of these documents, Biden documents, and that they are it's creating a political headache. And apparently some Democrats and Republicans are going to work together to figure out why and what's going on with this custodial arrangement of said documents. I mean, they treat them like door prizes. Why are we still why are we still finding? I mean, it's kind of nuts. Why are we still finding these things everywhere? I wonder if we have any classified documents. Do you have any classified documents? Who knows? Maybe we do. Yeah, maybe we do. Someone gave the suggestion that Trump should come out and say, yeah, I totally disclassified those. I thought he'd be more careful, though. That would actually look really, (laughs) that would be a suave mood, a move, a suave move, wouldn't it? For him to come out and do that. Yeah, I declassified him for him. That's what it was. Mm -mm -mm. Then what, they're not, what, then it makes, it makes Pence look like kind of mean forever criticizing him in a way. But what, what is up with this, though? Yeah, Kane, when you uh, Hunter Biden your laptop, did you have any classified documents on that thing? Not that I'm aware of. In case you guys don't know, all the uh, the laptop that Kane uses for all his videos and that, you know. For all my videos and that. You lost it. It's you. Like, uh, like Hunter. It's you. Did you have classified stuff on it? I did get an email last night, though, from the airport saying they found it. <gasps> for real? Where? Yeah. Well, they didn't say where. They just said, here's, here's where you pay to ship it to you. And I'm like, okay. That's, that's nice. I mean, somebody probably turned it in. So, yeah. Or they couldn't, sure. cra- they couldn't yeah, crack it. Yeah, or they it. had it right there because it was right at TSA where I left it. So. Yeah. There you go. Look at that. Look at that. Mm-mm-mm. There you go. So, a uh, couple of other things I want to make sure. Let me pull this up that we're hitting. Rob Reiner, right? Yeah. Is he, he's, he was the guy who played, wasn't he the meathead guy? Yep. On All in the Family? Yep. He said, he was talking about the, uh, tragedy that took place in half moon bay in california yesterday he says now see if you can make sense of this this statement he said this about an hour ago the only way to stop a person with a gun is to stop bad gun industry loving lawmakers at the ballot box wow could you doesn't he write 
It's almost like there are no gun laws in California, am I right? It's almost like they needed they needed to have some gun laws there. And he doesn't mention anything about bail reform or cashless bail or any of the other stuff that's leading to recidivism. Yeah. I guess he's yeah. Well, and we don't even know um I mean, honestly, we don't even know a heck of a lot about some of these these individuals, like how they got, what they got, and you know, any it, if they had records, if they had any anything. So, I, I I don't know. They were so quick to run out of the gate with this stuff, and then it, it ended up backfiring on them. Maybe he's got classified documents. I'm just going to assume everybody has classified documents at this point. Everybody. So I, I, all of the cities, when you look at, you had, I mean, whether it's Chicago, whether it's, you know, you had 20 in the past, like 20 or so days, what you could, because of gang and drug violence as well, you had a handful of mass casualty incidents and they were all in Democrat cities. Like every one of them were in, were in, Democrat cities. Mm-mm-mm. So this, I mean, what, and we're, what happened yesterday is, it, I mean, these, and it was, it's weird that it was two Chinese nationals living here in the United States that ended up doing this. And both of them were described as being like angry. Like this guy was described as angry. Uh, the, the earlier guy was apparently looking for his ex-wife. That's why it was initially described as a domestic dispute. But, Man, uh, that's nothing that they're doing is working. I would love to know if there were a record that exists for either of them, because it almost sounded like the first suspect may or may not have had like some kind of domestic record, considering the way that his marriage uh, unraveled. But in Half Moon Bay, and this in San Francisco, near San Francisco, two different instances because the that the first at the first area the guy uh, left the scene and seven killed one critically injured and he and the guy who did it at 67 so he had a 72 year old and a 67 year old man what's up with these old dudes get all mad in california hmm? and apparently the other thing is that i'm gonna pull this up apparently one of them purchased had purchased there what they used legally. So it makes me think that they did not have any kind of a record. We're going to talk more about that. Also, this is what else we got coming up. We're going to get, I have some woke, but also DeSantis announced this legislation that's going to impact schools and actually increase teacher pay. But it's also stripping all the CRT out of public school curriculum. It's illiberal anti-academic inaccurate propaganda that was presented as actual historical fact and you know the people that are pushing all this uh there was a story i want to say it was either guardian or daily mail uh, i mean british paper natch but they had this piece they were talking about all these people pushing this curriculum and pushing these things in schools are making six figures like mid to upper six figures it is a cash cow, this industry. That's why so much, that's why it's so hard to shake off because people are making bank off of victim culture, the grievance industry. So we're going to talk about it because the AP Teacher's Guide actually showed that he was right in doing this. 
So we're going to get into that. We're also we're also going to discuss gas prices increasing, and Granholm blamed uh, climate events and uh, Russia again. We're going to get into that. Uh, we have some wokery, a bunch of other stuff as well. So you don't want to miss uh, some interesting things to get into. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. You can sign up for the newsletter over at Substack, chapter and verse. All kinds of good things. Your lovable curmudgeon here with you. As we're wrapping up the first hour, another one on the way. I have to share this. This is a little bit more relaxed, more of a cultural story. You know, I get it. Why dudes are terrified nowadays to even speak to chicks, much less ask them out. And I saw this piece. It was over at Twitchy. This Twitch influencer. I hate that word, by the way. You get sometimes you got these dudes and these chicks that work out and they record themselves working out. And sometimes it's helpful. Like if they're actually showing you, you know, workouts and showing you proper form and things like that, that's like helpful. And I think it was helpful to a lot of people, for instance, over lockdown. But then you have people who I just think that like the way they look and they just want to just always it's just navel gazing. They just want to show off the entire time. I mean, oh, my gosh, Juan is like so into he's like, yes, preach right now. So there's this one chick named Jessica Fernandez, and I don't know. I always call shenanigans when you're claiming to record your workouts and you actually don't have, uh, you know, a good pers- – you're like you're showing what, what makes you look the most flattering and not what really shows off the movements and proper form. And I was looking at some of her stuff, and I'm like, she's all about, like, trying to show off her, her, her TNA. I mean, let's be real. And so she posted video of herself in a gym, right? And – She's constantly doing this stuff. She said that uh, she was at the gym and when she was at the gym, she was working out and some guy was like looking at her and she said she was scared that he was going to harass her and all of this stuff and that it made her uncomfortable and all of this, you know, garbage and etc. And she tried to shame this dude as being a creep at the gym and it didn't end well for her because when you watch the video, The guy looks over like, why is she recording? Because it is weird to see it. Like, why are you doing that? It's weird. And then he asked her if she needed help re-racking weights. And she said no. And that was it. He was being polite and she was being a psycho. And then there's like all other kinds of video and stuff of her doing this. And apparently she has an OnlyFans while she also simultaneously says that she's antisocial and all of this stuff. But what gets me... There's this one guy, Chris Garcia. He goes, you know what? I go to the same gym and I know the guy you tried to shame and he was waiting for you to get off the damn equipment. He says, it's literally what he tweeted. He goes, it's always a pain in the ass to be in the gym the same time as you. You spend 90% of the time filming the random workouts you do and 10% of the time actually working out. Preach. It's true. Goes into the gym, full makeup and all that stuff. If you're really working out, you ain't in full makeup unless you didn't have time to wash your face when you came back in from work. That's it. And so she was she was totally shamed for that. But you know what? I was watching this. I feel bad for dudes because of this kind of because of female garbage like this. I cannot stand this stuff. I mean, he was being nice and was just wondering, why are you recording yourself? I've seen chicks at the gym do this, although the ones the gym that I used to go to before it closed during lockdown, the woman who did it was legit like showing off like proper form she wasn't there to like post butt shots and stuff you know what i mean where she would only hold the camera at a certain angle where you couldn't actually see what she was doing you couldn't even see her form like this broad does it's grossed out and she's like i feel so grossed out at times with the amount of sexualization i experience she literally goes in with the leggings that go up her backside 
and base in a bra and it records herself and then posts like thirst stuff all over social media and then she's going to shame dudes for this that's not feminism you know what that is that's petty b stuff that's what it is i feel bad for dudes no wonder dudes don't want to ask chicks out anymore because you gotta you have to you have to traverse the minefield man dudes we have more to come second hour on the way stick with us in the midst of that, there were some communities that felt the relief. Other communities did not, particularly those in urban areas that was price gouging, etc. Could you talk about that? Because we're still um, very, uh, we're still, this, is, this could actually happen again at some point. And could you explain why there was such a difference in communities with gas prices in one community versus the other? Yeah, I mean, there, there are definitely differences in terms of infrastructure across the country. And so some rural areas, for example, or some who might be at the very uh, end of a, of a line uh, or may not even have a line, they may get it trucked in, it takes longer and it's more expensive. If you're not near a refinery, that's another reason why the transportation costs are tacked on at the pump. So you're seeing, uh, for example, when refineries go down in regions, then the prices go up in those regions much more than they would um, nationwide. So a lot of it depends on local infrastructure. Specifically the urban areas, because there was still a big pinch in urban oh areas with these gas prices when the outlying <coughs> communities, particularly uh, majority white communities, were seeing the drop to $3. And many of these urban areas were seeing 4 and $5 gas prices. Yeah. Could you speak to that? Yeah, here's what I would say is that obviously gas station owners are often, they're often owned by individuals. Most of them are not part of the branded um, oil companies. Most of them are owned by individuals. I just, she was trying so hard. Trying so hard to make this about... That was April Ryan, by the way. Oh. Yeah, April Ryan and Jennifer Granholm. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you, top of our second hour. She was trying to bring up race. Like, you know, gas price variance by region. Um, yeah, like, um, it's, you know, it's... I mean, it's weird because it's such a goofy thing that Granholm wasn't even entirely... She wasn't even jumping on this. No. I mean, yes, there there are price differences because of infrastructure, but... When you look at ESG, which is one of the things that the folks over at Consumers First were saying, when you look at ESG, that's and that's the wokery in business and energy. You there, there were a number of things that we that were of vital importance that we needed uh, reinforcement and refineries, etc. But because of the ESG uh, ideology, we actually kind of shot ourselves in the foot, so to speak, with regards to infrastructure. And the ability, the the refinement ability, etc. So, you can't you can't end oil and then also get low gas prices. You know how that works, right? You can't you can't end oil and make it to where it's harder to obtain more oil and reduce refinement capacity because you're not expanding refineries and you've blocked for ages any kind of funds to go towards such which can be a net sec issue and then complain also about the increase in gas prices because you think that somehow they're mutually exclusive that's the dumbest stuff that's stupid that's so dumb she ought to be but she should feel bad but i will say and and granholm as energy secretaries had a huge hand in that 
Because gas, what did I tell you? Gas prices are going to start rising again. I told you that before Christmas. I told you, and now look. That's it. And now they're saying, well, it's, you know, it's because of um, Russia and it's because of climate and because of, you know, it's a, but it's, it's not, though. But when she was asked whether who gets the credit for it or who's, who gets the blame for it, she really couldn't say. And that's when she said, well, you know, it's based on international and climate events. But Biden took credit for the gas prices, the reduction of gas prices. Climate events. So now what? It's not. That's just you can't, so goofy. They think that you are dumb. They absolutely do. And you had uh, one quote that I saw from John KJP yesterday. House Republicans are using the narrow majority to force the American people to pay higher gas prices. That doesn't even make sense. What? That doesn't even make sense. <sighs> Audio soundbite one. Listen, this is what she was saying. This is what she was asked during the press avail yesterday. Now, House Republicans are using their narrow majority to force the American people to pay higher gas prices just as big oil companies are amassing record profits. What's even more alarming is that this isn't this is only this is not the only attempt by House Republicans majority to raise costs on middle middle class families. House Republicans are also pushing a tax increase on middle class families and inflation worsening tax cut for the rich and high prescription drugs. Oh, my gosh. No, that is not why. It's because you've kneecapped everybody. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that if we make it harder to get oil, gas prices go up? It's amazing. How did everybody know that? Yeah, everybody knew that. That's This is all the ESG stuff that they want to push you into it. My gosh. Telling you what. I, all right, I got to share. There's a couple. I got to share this this audio with you. This may, when I watch this video and I see tons of these videos online, you know, it's the videos where you have these leftists that post this stuff and they complain that they can't talk to your kids in the classroom about having sex or they complain that, you know, a woman looked at their beard and couldn't believe that they weren't a woman. Something to that effect, right? And I see them so often and I really shouldn't. I was thinking about this. I really actually should not ever get used to that. See, you know, seeing this stuff. It should be like, what the hell? Every time. And I saw this video with this dude yesterday. And I was trying to, I'm going back to who first had it up. It was Oil is uh, Ole London. It's a dude who is a dude biologically. And he cosplays, he wants to cosplay as a woman. So he apparently was trying to use the women's only restroom. And it didn't go well because you have moms with their young children there. And he ended up trying to come off as a victim when he was the person victimizing other people. Listen to this. This is crazy. He recorded this and posted it publicly himself. A neighbor confront me for using the woman's restroom. Large dude. I lived here for four and a half years. Everyone should know that I'm a trans woman. I've always been known as Kaylee. I've always used she, her pronouns. I've been having some stomach issues because of true lucidity and I'd use a bathroom real quick and they're single use bathrooms and it's the only place that I feel safe using the woman's bathroom. 
Well, I got done and got out and this neighbor was talking to another neighbor and started pointing out the sign. I knew exactly what she was talking about because there's a big old woman sign. And I'm like, is there a problem? She's like, yeah, you're using the woman's restroom. You're a man. And I said, I'm a trans woman. She's like, no, you're a man. And she kept saying that over and over. And then I, and she kept saying, you're not a she, you're a he. You should be using, you, should, you were born a man. And just over and over. And honestly, I just lost it. It's just lost it and just started screaming and swear I, I just couldn't handle it I just my, this is my home this is my safe place I should be able to use the restroom the the apartment manager knows I'm trans everyone knows my name is Kaylee and then my group of friends I thought my friends were all starting to yell at me saying I escalated and because she had two kids I, I didn't even see the kids they were there and I just lost it fight flight or freeze and I fought you don't know what it's like to be a trans person and then, oh and then my one friend started yelling at me and neither one of them stood up for them. They blamed me that I was the one that was at fault. When when none of them stood up to me when 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 this person kept calling me he she he man do. like triggering and awful. Like yeah, I deal with enough on here. Like my apartment should be a safe place. There's nothing safe. For a trans person, there is nothing safe. Okay, for a trans I can't person. hear. I can't. I thought I was gonna be able to play the whole thing, and I'm already in like grievance overload. What? What? I almost made it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. We almost got through it. So this is a large dude. Okay. Uh, and he's got a beard. He's got stubble all over. Right. And he is in every way. Looks like a dude. Looks like a dude. And he's going into the women's bathroom. And he's mad because a mother does not want him in there with her young kids. The women's bathroom. And he's mad at his friends because his friends said that he acted, he went too far and he escalated the situation. The dude admitted that he cussed out the woman. He lost his mind and began screaming at her in front of her kids to the point where his friends were like, you went too far. And yet he doesn't even have the self-awareness to realize that his friends are right. He went over and above. What gets me with all of this? Because he's, he's, he demands to be unequally accommodated above everyone else. He thinks that if he is uncomfortable in the men's room, he should be accommodated. But if women are uncomfortable with a man in the women's room, then screw those women. They're going to get yelled and cussed at. If ever you needed more of an example of the progressive patriarchy, which is a redundancy, that's it. He thinks he should be unequally accommodated above everyone else. And when he's refused, guess what he does? He publicly proves that their concerns were legitimate. Great job in acting like a nut job. You know, I would be, I'd be the same way. And then they go on and on. You don't know what it's like. Brother, sit down. I sure as hell know you're not going to sit here and lecture women on you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like. Oh, my gosh. Like at the risk of sounding like a first wave, second wave, so man. This is where feminism came from, by the way. Feminism came from self-absorbed, progressive men like that dude. They gave birth to feminism. Progressive men like that, they treated women like garbage, and then women had enough. It's progressive. It wasn't the progressive men that were out there marching with women so that women could vote. It was the Christian conservative dudes that were out there. Susan B. Anthony wasn't no progressive. This is what gets me. They had people try to sit here and rewrite history. 
They've been on the wrong side of right, of morals, all throughout human history. So that's where feminism comes from. Progressive men can point the finger at themselves. And then you had the third wave, which just enables it. They're one and the same at this point. Third wave, I mean, it's just, this, it's my, you are basically patriarchy adjacent at that point. Progressive patriarchy adjacent. That video, Kim, what'd you do? You saw that dude trying to use the... Well, if my mm-hmm. daughter's with me or, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm seeing someone trying to step mm-hmm. in that bathroom when they're in there, um, no, sorry. It's not going to happen. You actually, you know, by the time it takes you to get the authorities to me, you know, all of it will be done already. Yeah, so, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's going to be done at that point. It'll all be finished. Don't worry. I, the, the audacity. Did you see this? Like, they're still going on and on over J.K. Rowling. There's this dude who is on TV and he goes and says he's a woman and he was saying, well, I'm more of a woman than J.K. Rowling would ever be. And she retweeted it and said, citation needed. And Mark Hamill, who I loathe, Mark Hamill has been an absolute jack wagon to me. He has been, I know, right? Grew up loving Star Wars and then the, you know, Luke Skywalker gets all old and flabby and he decides to be ignorant because of her Second Amendment stuff. So he liked her tweet and the rage mob is coming for him. And I'm just going to sit back and I'm just going to watch it. I do. I am not going to intervene. I don't. I do not owe, owe my loyalty to anyone who's never loyal to me. So I don't need. I'm just going to sit back and watch it. That's all I'm going to do. Woo, we got more to come too, folks, including including what's all happening in Florida and the way that the media is trying to spin this. It's so bad. It's it's just not it's not going to work. That's where woke goes to die. Remember? So we're going to get into that. Also, let me just make sure, because I have a bunch of stuff. Uh, oh, we got some wokery as well. Japan's prime minister says their country is on the brink over falling birth rate. This is actually a terrifying story. You always hear about this thing of overpopulation and et cetera and human hunger. It's all false. We're, we'll talk about this coming up. Uh, and we have, like I said, wokery. We've got environmental stuff, all kinds of things to hit. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. 10 U.S. cities amongst the worst for traffic in the world. Chicago, Boston, New York were amongst the top five cities in the entire world for the worst traffic in last from last year. The list names 30 most congested cities, 10 of them in the U.S. U.S. drivers spent an average of about 51 hours in traffic last year. Oh, my gosh. That's almost $1,000 in less time. Congestion as a whole costs about $81 billion to the U.S. economy. Ooh, boy, but I do love those cars, though. Not electric. Just saying, not electric. So, uh, speaking of green energy, about them wind turbines. So, apparently, uh, wind turbines taller than the Statue of Liberty, according to Bloomberg Business, are toppling over in a rash of incidents. Uh, yeah, a ton of them are just falling over. General Electric, one which was made by them, had been in operation less than a year. It fell on top of itself. Another GE turbine, same model, collapsed in Colorado a few days later. Next Era Energy, Inc. is the wind farm owner-operator. They said it was a blade flaw. They said GE had taken steps to prevent future mishaps. GE did not say what was went wrong in both cases, uh, but it's a, a part of a rash of recent wind turbine malfunctions. Ranging from key components to full-on collapses where they just like fall. They literally just fall over. Hmm, Just name. McDonald's accidentally gave $5,000 in cash to a customer and uh, the customer went viral on TikTok after they returned it. It was a good Samaritan. Josiah Vargas said he was just picking up his breakfast. He realized the employee at the window gave him more than he ordered and he went in 
and says uh, that uh, he went in and returned. He went in and returned the money. And the employee was very grateful because I can only imagine how terrified they were after they realized, you know. A teen won the 182 million euro million jackpot, but then found out the payment for the ticket had failed. Oh! Oh my gosh. $2.50 ticket. Oh my gosh. Stay with us. <laughs> Shooting down woke culture one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Uh, when you and the White House and the President all say that the President takes these classified documents very seriously without commenting on the ongoing uh, legal issue, what would you point us to that would demonstrate that seriousness? I'm going to really refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. Oh. I, I am. I'm going, I, I am. So the President continues to say that he takes well, us seriously I, and you can't demonstrate wait, how he takes us seriously? On, I, let me just finish. Let me finish my answer. I'm gonna I'm gonna refer you to the White House Counsel's Office, and I'm gonna refer you to uh, the statements that you've received uh, from his personal lawyer. Uh, I'm gonna refer you to the 45 minutes of conversation of back and forth that my colleague has had with all of you last week. He's about to do another one where you can ask questions about this particular uh, legal matter. Again, that's where this belongs. That's where I'm gonna refer you to. Uh, but again, you've seen the statements. Uh, you've heard from the president a couple of times. You've heard from his personal lawyer. You've heard from the White House Counsel's Office, and that's where I'm going to leave it. Hmm. So no answer exactly. No, they can't actually point to anything as to why, how he's taking it, how he's taking it seriously. Welcome back to the program, Dana. Last year with you, that because he's not. Oh my gosh! I mean, it's just this craziness. This looking at this thing. It's, there's no way he's, how many, I'm positive there's going to be another, there's going to be something else that comes up. I'm positive. Oh, well, it's uh, another case of, uh, another case of uh, classified documents found. Another, I'm positive. Our contributor Lorraine over at Chapter and Verse on Substack wrote about this. Because the first were supposed to be locked in the closet, but that's not where it, it began. And then it was from the VP's office, then it was the transitional office about a block away, and then they were then they were taken to the temporary facilities by Penn Biden, and then ultimately to the office that was financed by CCP. Nobody knows anything about the custodial timeline, nothing. And then there was the garage, two sets of documents at the house. I mean, for the love, why? And then uh, Biden's uh, aide in the White House who apparently he had hired at the suggestion of uh, Hunter Biden. Kathy Chung was responsible, apparently, for packing up his stuff and putting it everywhere. So, and it was Hunter Biden's suggestion that they pack it all up. And it was, it was, it was her. Fascinating stuff. So, you know, the reporter, I think, and that was not, from what I understand, it wasn't, that's not, didn't say, it wasn't a doozy question. That was a reporter saying, can you point to where he's been taking this seriously? Where? By the way, the woman who packed up his office has worked for Democrats, has a history of working for Democrats, and uh, also works as the deputy director of protocol for Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, as Lorraine had notes. So, the idea that this i i just it just is so weird to me six years the first batch of documents goes from three different places 
No idea about the custody of the documents. And so one of the things Lorraine notes is Anita Dunn. You guys remember Anita Dunn's name? So Anita Dunn is the woman who was behind the White House's decision to just keep it quiet as long as possible. Now, Anita Dunn probably sounds familiar to you for a number of reasons. She runs a giant PR firm. Uh, It's something, something, uh, Nickenbacher Relations in D.C. Now, when I first heard of Anita Dunn, do you guys remember Sandra Fluke? The lady who was uh, complaining that she had to go and pay $9 a month for birth control pills because she couldn't stop getting it on. Uh, And she wanted her employer to pay for her sexual recreation. You know, it's like, when does it stop? They're going to buy your drinks too, Toots? Like, when does it stop? She hired Anita Dunn as her PR specialist. After Parkland, Anita Dunn was working with the anti-gun activists in Parkland. She was there. They were all there. There were photos circulating online. She was apparently there like that week. Mm-hmm. So she is, she's Obama's uh, longtime consultant, big time uh, far left uh, public relations specialist in D.C. And she was the one who was working with Biden and telling them to keep it quiet for as long as possible. Now, Bob Bauer, Lorraine is noted as Bob is Biden's personal lawyer. And so Anita Dunn is married to him. It's weird. I mean, there are so many different, yeah, so many different relationships there. And so, and I think um, this originally began with Dunn and Bauer going back and forth over how, if they were going to make it public, how long to keep it under wraps, etc., and now here's so she's she apparently coined the phrase ultra MAGA as well. And she also was the one who apparently devised his border strategy. She did the stuff for Obama, too. So it's not unusual that she because she's been with Obama Biden for a long time. Uh, she was the one who helped orchestrated the you know Republican war on women. She was she helped orchestrate all of that for Obama and they launched it with the Sandra Fluke thing. Remember, and then Sandra Fluke, her influence waned, and she ended up literally doing a meet and greet at the sack and save parking lot. Remember that? Because first you sack and then you save. There were tens of people up in that sack and save parking lot. Did you know? And so she's always been there. She's always got her hands in everything. Interesting. I just is weird to me because, and I had a friend make this point too, uh, on his, uh, he's a lawyer on his piece. Usually you got the lawyers setting the communications people straight and telling them what they can or can't do. In this case, it seems like his comms team is doing that to his legal team, right? It's just weird. And so apparently, according to New York Times, Dunn insisted that the White House should keep everything locked down as it relates to all of the information about these these classified documents. Do you keep it from the public? And this was, remember, this all was kicking off right before the election. So you got to keep this, you, you know, she wanted him to, to, to keep this totally quiet um, and keep it just to just enough, just a trickle. I'm wondering, because does that sound cooperative to you? Because it wasn't that how he was described. Yeah. Biden was being cooperative. Does that sound cooperative? No. Why wasn't he raided? 
just very curious. Although you probably don't have to be that damn cooperative if you literally have members of the DOJ and FBI in your pocket. You know, you can probably be as uncooperative as you want. So Dunn hasn't really solved anything for the administration. If anything, it seems like her advice has made it worse. Like she was the one who wanted to keep the whole uh, border, have Biden ignore the border story, and that blew up in his face. Uh, This, she didn't help with the classified documents. It almost seems like she's sort of, I don't know, her shelf life is, her date has hit. You know what I mean? That's what it seems like. Honestly, Anita Dunn is one of the reasons why KJP has such a hell of a time when she's out there. Because Anita Dunn is the person helping to craft the message that KJP has to tell these reporters. And if Anita Dunn doesn't feel like telling them, she's not going to tell them, and then KJP has to deal with it. I mean, you kind of wonder what's happening behind closed doors there, because KJP's lost that little... She used to come out and smile. Now she just hates the world. You know, she comes out, she just hates everything. Just fascinating, fascinating, fascinating. All right, a couple of other things I want to make sure that we're hitting here. All right, so first up, the situation... We're going to talk about the DeSantis and education thing. Did you guys hear about how this airline accidentally leaked an entire federal no-fly list? I know everyone went, hmm? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys remember the no-fly list, right? You you have no idea how to get on it. You have no idea how to get off it. It's I've written about this. I've talked about it before. There's There's literally no transparency and there's no accountability. And there have been so many people who have been erroneously placed on the no-fly list, including... Late members of Congress, like John Lewis, because his name is kind of common, John Lewis, right? And apparently there was a criminal doing some criminal stuff with the name John Lewis. And so John Lewis got himself on the no-fly list. So apparently an, an airline leaked the entire federal no-fly list. Commute Air operates for United Airlines. They left the entire U.S. federal no-fly list on a server that was easily hacked. And the original requirement to show ID at the airport was a political decision, it said, in order to appear to be doing something after TWA Flight 800. They said now the government wants to compare you against its various watch lists from the no-fly to enhanced screening lists. So if you didn't have any, if you didn't have ID, you could fly under any name you wished. Uh, And so the lists themselves are secretive. Remember, they don't tell you that you're on them. You might get a, a, a number to show that you're not like this particular guy that they're looking for, but they won't ever say that that name is or isn't on the list. And sometimes people get on the list because an agent checked the wrong box on a form, as in the case of Lewis. Or because sometimes it's like um, one of the things that uh, one site noted was that it's pre-crime profiling. You get, basically it's a penalty without due process. This is why I hated expansion of the no-fly list because and, and everything else. I think if you're going to punish people, then you need to go through the, pro- you need to have due process. Now the list isn't, sac- isn't classified, but it is, it's considered secretive. And the list is shared with airlines. So that apparently the list has more than 1.5 million entries total. It has names as well as birth dates. It included multiple aliases. So the number of unique individuals is apparently under 1.5 million. And they said there were several notable figures, some kind of Russian arms dealer, suspected members of IRA. They're on the list, uh, something else. And another individual was listed as eight years old based on their birth year. So it's very interesting. And it also included personal information of like 900 commute air employees. And pretty wild. Pretty wild. See, the fact that, and they don't even take the time to secure it, which is actually kind of funny. 
I that's man. If you're if you're if you're if you think that someone like people conflate the do not fly list and the terror watch list and all this other stuff because people wanted to have you know gun owners listed on terror watch list or no fly list or something like that. If you're going to punish someone, go through the, if they if you think that they're so dangerous that they're going to do something, then why are why are you not charging them? That's the other thing. Good heavens. Now, one other quick story. Japan's prime minister says their country is on the brink over their falling birth rate. Fumio Kishida said it was, it's now or never. The population's at 125 million. They've had fewer than 800,000 births in the last year. In the 70s, that was more than 2 million. Birth rates are slowing in a number of countries, including Japan's neighbors, but it's particularly acute in Japan, notes the BBC, because life expectancy has risen. So there are a growing number of older people and a declining number of workers to support the aging population. And so now Japan has the world's second highest proportion of people aged 65 and over, 28%. And that's after Monaco, according to World Bank data. So Kushida told lawmakers, Japan is standing on the verge of whether we continue, continue to function as a society. That was a direct quote. They said that they want the government to double their spending on child-related programs, and that the Japanese government has tried to promote similar strategies before, but with no success. They tried it uh, in 2020. Researchers projected Japan's population to fall from a peak of 128 million in 2017 to fewer than 53 million by the end of the century. That's insane. And the population is just under 125 million, according to official data. And they've continued implementing strict immigration laws. They've relaxed some things. But falling birth rates, they said, are driven by the rising living costs, more uh, families working and having to work, uh, more access to contraception, etc. China even has a population drop. They had their first big population drop in over 60 years. So they're actually, by 2050, Japan's going to lose a fifth of its current population. That's insane. (sighs) We uh, will talk a little bit more about that. But. See, it's not, there's not this like population surge or too many people on the planet. I hate when I hear the WEF people say that. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> it's time for Florida Man. So first up, a woman zipped up her husband in a suitcase and he kicked the bucket while they, was, they were playing hide and seek. Now... She's finally facing charges, second-degree murder charge, and the death of Jorge Torres Jr. She's from Orlando. She zipped her boyfriend inside of a suitcase and left him to die. He called out her name, and it, uh, they're, they're, she's in court now. Second-degree murder charge. It was a 2020 story, but now they're in court. And her trial was, uh, it's actually late because of coronavirus and everything else. All the court proceedings are late. So, yeah, she, they, she zipped him up in a suitcase and left him to die. He couldn't get out. That's crazy. So she said that they, you know, she told investigators they were playing and she thought it would be funny if he got in the suitcase. And then she put him in there but passed out on her bed. And then she woke up and realized he was still in there. And uh, that's and then she said that he was unresponsive, so she called her ex-husband who lives a few minutes away. All of this sounds so shady, doesn't it? And then they said, then they called 911. But they said that he also had scratches on his back and other injuries, and he had a small laceration on his lip and that. I think they killed him and shoved him in the suitcase. That's what I think. So it's weird. And her ex looks like he's a demon. Have you seen the, did you see the photo? Like he legit looks like he's a demon. He's got totally black eyes. Like no, like he has no pupils. They're just all like, 
It's creepy. All right. Also, a um, this is gross. Florida man defecates on the floor of a Joe's Crab Shack during a break-in in Fort Myers. They're searching for a perp caught on camera breaking into Joe's Crab Shack on Saturday, according to Fort Myers police. Happened about 2.30 in the morning. He squeezes through a small broken window, getting the restaurant. And he and he stole several items, alcohol. And then he um, had a deuce on the floor before he left. And then he took a hat off the shelf and wore it as he walked around the restaurant. They're still looking for him. They have not found the guy. They're like, hey, if you see him, you know, contact uh, Southwest Florida Crime Stoppers. They cannot find this guy. He looks like a dirty hippie. Can I just say? He does. He legit. He kind of does, doesn't he? Yeah. Uh, it's bug meat. You know that, right? Crabs are bug meat. It's all bug meat. A couple of others here. I can't read that one. Nope, I can't because it, no, there's not. Mm-mm. Not that one either. Uh, not that one. Some of these are crazy. So here's a uh, uh, eight Florida men were arrested for importing the world's most deadliest snake. They were going to make breeding colonies of the world's most deadliest snake, according to Miami Herald. Why? It's the it was called Operation Viper, and. They had two hundred. They had all these snakes. With, they they were going to make breeding colonies of super poisonous snakes: the African bush viper, the gaboon viper, all green mamba. Thankfully, they were stopped. Can you imagine? And then what happens? They'd get loose in Florida. You know, something like that would happen. Third hour on the way. Stick with us. No, you wouldn't. Uh, and it is a real problem that uh, these documents are somewhere they shouldn't be. Um, I have a deep concern over. Uh, anytime we discover that they're classified information uh, materials anywhere they shouldn't be. Um, and I am so careful when I leave that skiff. Uh, I'm careful when I go into it. I literally pat myself down to make sure I've gotten rid of all my electronics uh, and very careful not to take anything out of the skiff. Um, Do you believe him? That's Adam Schiff. Do you believe that he's that careful? Nope. I don't either. Isn't he the guy who thought he was getting a phone call about Russian information and he was getting pranked and it was released online? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. So, no, I um, I don't believe him. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here, your lovable curmudgeon, top of our third hour this Tuesday. And I don't, the skiff, I don't believe it. It's always, they just came out a little earlier that it was uh, Mike Pence now apparently has some stuff what he's he apparently also has some stuff that some classified stuff that he had found in his in his office it's just like door prizes everybody gets you get classified stuff everybody gets it so i i think they really they're really going to have to look at the this process because this is like ridiculous at this point it 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 is also ridiculous i'm going to share this with you this audio sound bite because everybody's been going there's just been apoplectic over what the moves that they've been making in florida and where is this at i lost it it's uh oh audio sound bite 14 so they're overhauling curriculum in florida right and they're they're making it to where you're not going to sit here and have uh, crt critical race theory 
which is, you know, all about undermining, you know, ultimately the republic by teaching that the uh, founding of the country is flawed because it was it was predicated upon bigotry. So Don Lemon, who I'm only using it for the purposes of a jumping off point, not because I find him influential. I know him. I just, you know, audio sound by 14. This is what he said of it. It's so ridiculous. So slavery uh, became illegal. Now it's going to be illegal to teach slavery in schools. It seems it seems really odd. I mean, where is he going to draw the line? Somewhere between abolition and now? I don't know. where. This is so ridiculous. So first off, when... You read the course description, it's so purposefully vague. And I was looking at a lot of the a lot of the documents for this. It's so incredibly purposefully vague because they had this new it was the African American Studies AP curriculum. And it was actually not in keeping with the way that it was being presented. It wasn't in keeping with um Florida law. All of this stuff is public, you know. That's what gets me. All of this stuff is so they sent there was uh, a letter that the administration sent to the college board, for instance. They said this in public schools. They said that there's, you know, we're looking at the syllabus of the curriculum. And it's been introduced in 60 high schools as a pilot program. But in looking at some of this, this is so ridiculously not, it's illiberal. It's not academically factual. It gets into, quote, black queer studies prison abolition, reparations, and teaching it as core coursework to high schoolers. I'm literally looking at the documents that they were that they were pushing. They teach about Black Lives Matter, like the movement as you know, some kind of like legitimate and not something that's been that's div- that you know dissolved into people stealing money and all this stuff. That what that's not even so what he's saying, what Lemon just said sounds even dumber when in the context of looking at the actual text of the the unit descriptions of their their each unit's uh, syllabus of the curriculum. I mean, it is. Nuts, this none of this is academically honest. It's it's political. Uh, it gets into intersectionality, CRT, yeah, the black queer studies. Uh, look at, looks at the, the concept of the queer of color critique. You're teaching this in high school? That's not in, and don't sit here and use AP as like a blanket shield for it. That's, none of this is academic. This is, this is promoting critical race theory, the Marxist CRT that is trying to push that the founding of the country is illegitimate because it wasn't founded on freedom, it was founded upon bigotry. That is the whole point of it. It's Derek Bell's curriculum. I mean, I've been talking about this for 12 years now, uh, coming to life. So yeah, you can see how people would have concerns over this. this it, there's nothing about you can't teach slavery mentioned in any of this. Did Lemon even read it? Or did he just, you know, it, you're teaching CRT to high school students in public school. No one's saying you can't teach history of slavery or anything else. They're saying you can't. Let me read this. Literally, I was reading it verbatim. You can't teach things like the concept of queer of color critique. You can't teach that. You can't teach the intersectionality and you can't teach Angela Davis as though she's some sort of like academic icon. Are you kidding me? Come on. 
I mean, this this does not it it does not say anywhere, and I'm looking at all of it. It does not say anywhere that you that by not teaching this that you can't teach. Yeah, it doesn't say that you cannot teach civil right about civil rights leaders. It does not say that you can't teach about Martin Luther King Jr. or Malcolm X or anybody else. It's saying that you can't teach this other stuff because it's it's illiberal, non-academic propaganda garbage. The end. That's what he, that's what this is. And they're trying to say, oh well, this means you can't. Uh, it's a racist. No, it's not what it is at all. I mean, they're they're trying to teach you that abolishing prisons, for instance, there's a difference in teaching about a movement and then teaching the movement's ideology as academic fact. That is what is being lost here. There's a huge difference because the latter is propaganda. And that's what I mean, I'm reading the course descriptions. People who have also read the same course descriptions I have, who still come to a completely different opinion, even though the words on the page don't lie. I mean, feel free to make that case. There is no educational value to that. I mean, Angela Davis is a self-avowed communist. I it, it's and you have Karine Jean-Pierre go, they're trying to ban the study of black Americans. Literally not what's happening here. So they have to make something up. They have to make it up. Now, they got mad at him again today because he said that students should put their cell phones away in class. Just like Hitler. That's actually what people, people have been saying. He's such a fascist. He says the school district is within their rights to confiscate students' cell phones during classes. And they're... The left is mad about it. Oh, they're livid. So livid. I don't know. Uh, yeah, during class. Oh, my gosh. Not during class. I mean, don't you have that in blue district? You have that ever? I mean, that's everywhere. That's not new. That's not a new thing. None of this is new. None of it. I just... Uh, he also had some proposed union rules. So they are not deducting dues from paychecks they're not pushing union business or flyers at work the teachers union a public union difference between public and private the union executives cannot be paid more than the highest paid member and they have a requirement to have 60 percent representation to exist i mean i can't tell you how many times i hear from teachers about the rules they're the the teachers union rules how they just absolutely hamstring them Oh my gosh, I cannot t- tell you how many teachers I hear from. It is, it's, it's, makes me feel really upset. I, I get so mad for them because they're fighting such a battle in that. But yeah, so now he's, I mean, they, they all announced this this week. So there's a whole bunch of educational uh, priorities that they have, that they have unveiled. <sighs> so they're mad. They're mad. You know what? People in Florida are happy. Ask people in Florida. They're happy. They like the way people like how they're the, the, the direction the schools are going in. They're not unhappy with any of this stuff. I, I it, it's uh, it's uh, something else, something else. We need other governors to be doing some of this stuff. I was watch, uh, looking at this, for instance, they had Politico. It said, um, 
Florida's black officials are seeking to overturn DeSantis, the DeSantis administration's decision that the classes that they're teaching, what I was just reading to you, lacks educational value. Actually, it was like like three people. Again, leftists think that if they can speak for every person, they think that being a minority or being a female or being whatever means that they can speak for you, that they own you, that they have a patent on your identity. That's how. That's one of the reasons I hate identity politics, because Democrats act like they've trademarked the identity so they can speak for everyone of that identity. I mean, it's... And Florida Democrats, in the meantime, are freaking out because they have never been so disordered in Florida as they are now. Historically, they've never lost so much. I hope they stay losing. But I mean, the, none of that in the curriculum... Is education. What do you benefit by looking at? I got to read it again because it's so goofy. I can't even. I mean, it's worded so goofy. What is it? The going through the curriculum. The. Here it is. To look at the concept of. The queer of color critique. What do you learn from that? What's academic about that? It's propaganda. It's political theory. That's what it is. It's propaganda. It's not even actual legitimate political theory. It's just like something made up in the now. This is so goofy. Stop it. All of this is CRT garbage. So, yeah, they're, they're pretty unhappy about that. We had a school board meeting at the, our, our public school district here last night. And they had leftists that were organizing to hijack it. They do this and they make absolute fools of themselves every time they get up to the microphone because it's because parents fought back and took over the school board and they scream and they melt down and they just, oh my gosh, it's the hemming and hawing and gnashing of teeth. It's just, they, they look ridiculous. Now you can see where some of these act, I mean, that's golly, it's a mess of a movement. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So Chase Bank is closing some of their New York City ATMs early due to what they say is rising crime and vagrancy. Some of the ATMs will no longer be available around the clock. They said that they got to close them uh, at the same time as the branches because of the rising crime, the vagrancy, everything else. They said that uh, it was in response to a tweet to Chase that they were closing them. Uh, there, there are ATMs at 10 p.m. and the vestibules at 5 or 6 p.m. And they said we had to because of the crime. They have, they absolutely have to. They said the lockdowns may be temporary, but it all depends. And Mayor Eric Adams was like, well, I guess, you know, people don't want to walk into their ATM and see someone urinating or get attacked. And yeah, nobody wants to. Maybe do something about the crime. I mean, good grief. This is kind of crazy. I saw the story. A family was overjoyed to find their son who had been lost at sea clinging to a makeshift raft. Dylan Gardmayer spent, um, well, he's he was uh, outside of Key West, and apparently he and his friends were out in, on the water. The conditions got dicey. They decided to do one more dive before heading back. He was free diving, and the Gulfstream current picked him up, swept him a mile away. And he said it was pretty. The family went out and they actually ended up finding him. He was on this makeshift raft. And so he's, and he's, they found him and protected him. Western Journal, you've got to do a better job at not bearing your lead for the love. Oh my gosh, like take a course. Jeff Bezos, have you seen the stories where they say that he's selling Washington Post to buy the Washington Commanders? Okay, well, it's not happening. Everybody's been repeating the story. 
But he was asked about this and a spokesperson for him said, no, this is not happening. They're not doing this. He's not selling the post and then purchasing the commanders. So that's, they corrected that. I was I was thinking, well, if he changes the name, sounds, I don't know, right? If he changes the name, then maybe. Uh, also, <laughs> okay, full disclosure, I have watched some of this, like the original ones, like back when they were in the Appalachians and they were slap fighting. Now it's like a whole thing. The uh, Power Slap League, It's this is UFC boss Dana White's league. People can make like over $3,000 per bout. And it's it's a hit every time. I mean, it really is. The, no, I'm saying it is. It's a hit every time. You know, like you're, you're going to get... Someone was saying that the pay is nuts. Because people are like... they. I mean, they get... Their faces are super swollen and disfigured and all of this stuff. And they said the... Like this one guy said his first fight was 2K. It's not a fight. You get slapped. It's your first slap. It's not a fight. Stop it. He said it was 2K and 2K. That's it. So they don't really get paid a lot for that. You got to see, like, their faces are so swollen. It is, I mean, it's bad. Like, there was a one Romanian fighter. His whole side of his head was, like, all swollen up, swelled up. It was bad. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I can't, it gets, it's kind of monotonous after a while. Stick with us. We got more in store. We'll talk about it. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. My question, you told me the search is complete. He, the president, is confident in this process. But since then, the searches have continued. More documents have found. Uh, Is the president still confident in this process and how his lawyers have carried out the search for material in his residence? He's confident in this process. Um... And my colleague has talked about this. This is an ongoing uh, process. And, uh, you know, we've continued to provide the information that we've had at the time. Uh, anything else, anything yeah, so I'm already uh, bored of specific? Her underly- so the White House is now at odds with the media. They say that the media is stirring up controversy when they ask Karine Jean-Pierre questions about the classified document thing and get very limited answers. So White House spokesperson Ian Sams told accused media of wanting attention or time on camera. Um, That's their job to ask that stuff. That's literally, that's their job is to ask those things. Why is that controversial? Can you imagine? Anybody else says this and it's attack on the free press. These people deserve the abuse that they get because they just they tolerate it and out of the for partisan politics. It's I mean they do. So they said that they they're tired of the they said in every presidency you know there are people in the media this is what Sam said they try to start controversy to get attention or time on camera. Oh my gosh! So they said that it was that Karine Jean Pierre was was. Uh, grilled on whether or not Biden was surprised when they discovered all this stuff. And they're there. They said that it's there. The media is just stirring up controversy and they're doing this to be problematic. How dare they ask questions about whether or not you've carried out your duties with any impropriety. I mean, that's, that's their job. That's the job of a press. 
Democrats don't like it if they have if they're if they're held to account if they're asked questions oh my gosh it's just that's their damn job they're people they're reporters and they ask you questions on camera because we have these things called tvs and there's cameras that can take your picture that record you or broadcast what you're doing to the little box that people can watch does he not is he not aware of this technology this is so stupid that's their job it's their one job. Let them do this. They're fi- they're asking questions. Granted, they're only asking questions because they want a different Democrat. But they're asking questions nonetheless. <sighs> Did you guys see this tweet from Hollywood Reporter? They had the Oscar nom- nominations. I got to say, this is the first time they said I the the headline the big headline this morning was Return of the Blockbuster. Because apparently Miss- Mission Impossible got some noms. Tom Cruise, is he actually going to win an Oscar? Would, is he finally going to win an Oscar? I think he saved the theater. I think he saved the theaters. I, I really do. By, with this movie. Because nobody was going, it was the first time I had been back in a movie. He could finally go on. Top Gun was nominated six times. Every, everything, everywhere, all at once, which was pretty good. Banshees of Inisherin, which was hysterical. That they uh, Top Gun got five nods, including Best Picture, so he could finally get an Academy Award. So all also all quiet on the Western Front. Elvis, I didn't see Avatar: Way of Water. I didn't see that. The Fablemans, I didn't see that either. Um, Jimmy Kimmel's hosting, so I'm not. I'm definitely I'm not going to watch because I find him absolutely boring and insufferable. And they had Michelle Yeoh, who was nominated she won the golden globe for her performance everything everywhere all at once which is a really good movie gotta you have to watch it it seems insane when you first start but it's very good this is like the first time i've seen a number of movies that have ever been nominated normally don't they always nominate these stupid boring movies and like what's the one where the lady got it on with a fish what's the what was that one one of our friends was in that, so I don't want to be like too harsh on it. Nick's here. I, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? The something with water. I don't know. I was like, okay, I, this is past my, my suspension of disbelief here, but there are actually, so the women, so the Oscars nominated for best picture, all quite on the Western front, avatar, whatever the Banshees in this year and Elvis, everything everywhere all at once. Fableman's tar, Top Gun Maverick, triangle sadness, women talking, women talking sounds like hell. Uh, but I've seen a couple of these. Normally, you don't see any of the ones. Aren't they like some kind of small indie thing? The Way of Cardboard or something stupid. I don't know. Banshees of Inisherin was pretty good. Elvis was all right. Banshees of Inisherin was fantastic. Colin Farrell's in it, and it's very Irish. And uh, I didn't see Avatar, and I'm not going to go see it. All Quiet on the Western Front, also fabulous. Trench Warfare. So... Interesting. But here's what gets me. So Hollywood Reporter had this tweet, right? They were writing about who was getting nominated for the Oscars. So if you're a Hollywood Reporter, this is, you know, a big deal. Listen to this. They wrote, Michelle Yeoh has made history as the first person who identifies as Asian to ever be nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars. Um, what? First person who identifies as Asian. To be nominated for Best Actress at the Oscars. She is Asian. 
you butt sticks. She's absolute. She's she was born in Malaysia to Chinese parents. She's Asian. How else is she going to identify? Seriously? Do you get to now pick your ethnicity? Hattie McDaniel, she won an Oscar. Was she the first person who identifies as African-American to win an Oscar? I mean, for real. Come on. How dumb is this going to be? Identifies as Asian. Now, Hollywood Reporter was just... I don't even know if I want to read this paragraph. They tried. It's a bunch of word salad that we're going to probably have to like diagram a sentence to get through this. Because they were trying to explain why they said this. They're so they don't want to have to walk this back. Right. They were saying, quote, however, until today, not a single woman who identifies as Asian, incidentally, the largest racial group on the planet has been recognized as as best actress by the Academy Awards. Technicalities exist. Some record keepers consider Merle Oberon, 1936 Dark Angel, to be the first Asian Best Actress nominee, but she hid her ancestry. Her mother was reportedly of partial Sri Lankan descent and passed for white. Likewise, her double Oscar winner, Vivian Lee, who was born in British colonized India and whose mother might have had partial Western Asian ancestry. Shut up. And although past nominees Salma Hayek and winner Cher Natalie Portman all have Claims to Western Asian heritage, Lebanon, Armenia, Israel, Russia, respectively, none is identified as Asian. Shut up. Are you sitting here? Well, Vivian Lee, Vivian Lee was as Brit as they go. She was married to Lawrence Olivier for crying out loud. Shush up. Gone with the wind. Shut up. Oh, really? The boy. Can you imagine anybody trying to claim this distinction? Can you imagine Vivian Lee? Well, I am Asian. No. I, they did this because they're they're so woke. I mean, I hope she says something about this if she wins. I just find that to be so goofy. So now you get to pick your ethnicity, Kane. Yeah. What are you going to be? Choose something. Choose a culture. Choose nothing. If you got to be, since you can apparently do anything. I mean, what's her face? Hillary Baldwin, the chick who was born and raised in Boston and went to Spain a couple of times. And she speaks with a Spanish accent. You can apparently do whatever, man. Yeah. How you say cucumber? Right, her? She was outside like, leave my family alone. And she was making up the accent. She was born in Boston, for crying out loud. Raised in Boston. Family took her to Spain on vacation. She was like, I want to be Spanish. Not, it's just it's insane. So pick, I mean, you can, you can pick something. I guess anybody can pick anything. What do you go as? I'd want to pick something with a... I'd be Irish or Scottish. Yeah, I, I was going to say. Something where I could actually like do an accent and it would uh, you, you sound tougher with the accent. Yeah. Or anything you say is funny or insightful yeah. because of the accent. You could be reading, you know, um, the you know a Jolly Rancher bag and you sound hysterical. It's just funny. But this identifying as... And really, for Cher to go Armenian... You really, the distinction that they're trying to make here is ridiculous. But that's the extent of wokery in which we live. Golly, so goofy. She's, she's, Michelle Yeoh's Asian. <sighs> for, for crying out loud. All right, so I'm just rolling my eyes at this. That was a good movie, though, that she was in. I, you, you should see it. Uh, a couple of other things to hit. This, uh, pull this up here. Yuma. Yuma, Arizona. This border city is said to be at the breaking point. 
with an unprecedented flow of illegal entrants, leaving the community at the brink of collapse while hospitals and food banks are overloaded. Yuma County Supervisor Jonathan Linus slammed the administration for, you can't even say they're handling it. I, I wouldn't say hand, the way that they handle in the crisis. I would say just their absenteeism on the crisis. And said his county is going to just crumble. They can't support the cascading flow of entrants. He says they just can't do it. So between 2021 and 2022, Yuma County Border Patrol particularly saw a 171 increase in migrant crossings, illegal entrant crossings. So people illegally entering the United States, there was a 171% increase. And lines waiting to be processed. The air, the town is just is under so much pressure. And they said it's super easy. There's 50 breaks in the wall. In the Yuma sector, it's 126 miles. You have the infamous gap. They have container-sized gaps uh, in the 30-foot wall that allow people to just cross right over. Border patrols really thinly spread out between all of these. And they just can't, it's just, it's impossible. And they said that to add to this, according to Border Patrol, 1.2 million illegal entrants escaped Border Patrol. So these are the gotaways since January 2021. And counties like Yuma, they're trying to deal with their own residents and then also this on top of it. They said that it is so, uh, it's so bad. Like for, they have people who are walking across crop fields, destroying crop. Yuma is the winter lettuce capital of the United States because of the year-round sun. 93% of the country's lettuce is grown in Yuma during the winter months. And so the farmers are telling law enforcement, like, Our fields are monitored, we audit them, we test them for pathogens, and people are just stomping through the fields, ruining the crop. And so the the county supervisor was begging the administration, come and see, come for yourself, see what this is, you know, this is how crazy this is. And of course, you know, when Biden goes, they clean everything up and act like everything's fine. Just, I mean, it is wild. I wonder what that's going to do. I mean, think about it. What's that going to do? You have 1.2 million people. That's just in that sector. That's just no enforcement. None. Listen to the Dana show live on the Odyssey app weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. And sign up for the newsletter over at Substack chapter and verse. A lot of good stuff goes out throughout the week. Uh, there's, you know, two different, two different, uh, Things you can get. You can get my daily prep. You also get uh, analysis features, things like that. Uh, all kinds of good stuff. But it uh, that, Facebook, YouTube, like and subscribe. We put all of our past discussions up there as well. So it's a great way to, well, that's a great way to keep track. I was reading on break this piece. Apparently the administration is weighing sending a significant number of M1 Abrams tanks, 30 to 50 to Ukraine. The announcement is expected this week. That's via Politico. Um, they got how much money, Kane? I mean, they didn't, they could have done, they could have gotten some, you know. Germany's sending like, what, a couple? 
So they said that Germany authorized the transfer of a couple leopard tanks to the Ukrainian military. And so now the administration is leaning towards sending what they say is a significant number of M1s to Ukraine. And this was after the public standoff with German officials who are going to send their own now leopard tanks and, and allow other European countries that operate German-made vehicles to do so as well. So this, it would, there's the Ukraine Security Assistance Initiative. That's the program that allows Washington to finance the purchase of weapons and equipment for Ukraine as opposed to pulling them from U.S. existing stockpiles. Apparently, one U.S. official told Politico that the Pentagon never took tanks off of the table and that they've, there's been difficulties, though, that they've come across in providing this, the M1, their main battle tank, over to, to provide that to Ukraine. Uh, because they apparently they have long supply lines to maintain and all kinds of stuff. And I don't, they said it's three, it has a jet engine. The Abrams tank has a jet engine and it's three gallons to the mile. So it just guzzles diesel and three gallons to the mile jet fuel, not the easiest to maintain. That sounds really difficult. Yeah, that sounds wicked difficult. So I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. Not at all. Well, I'll bring, we'll, we'll have updates. And now it's time for Today in Stupidity. It's our transportation secretary who hasn't done really anything significant in the area of transportation. Um, he's telling us that every decision in the transportation realm is going to consider this. Listen to this. We're looking at investments that, uh, that are fair, that contribute to equitable economic growth. We're looking at climate impacts because every transportation decision in, in the 21st century is a climate decision. Whether is it, though? Is every transportation decision an environmental decision? No. They want it to be that because they have the media on their side right now as it, as it pertains to the actual environment. So, yeah, they're going to go I'm so tired of this. equitable... It's, whenever I whenever I hear this stuff, it's meaningless. Yeah, it's it's that's not how the world works. I'm so tired of the stupid language that does it for us today, folks. Sign up for the newsletter. Good stuff coming out. You can always tell what's going to be on the show the next day as well. And if we have guest announcements or anything, they go out through there too. have a great night. I'll be back with you tomorrow.